Hi, my name is Mike Trevisano. I'm ordained as an Osho in our community. I'm going to be continuing this week a set of talks between myself and my, my brother Osho Brad, uh, where we're going to be walking through the, the major foundational models in our system of mindfulness that we teach in our community, the four direction system of mindfulness. Last week, I thought Brad did an excellent job. Highly recommend you check it out if you, if you didn't get a chance to watch his talk. He did an excellent job of walking through the primary first thing we talk about when we start talking about mindfulness, which is, who is this thing that I think I am in the world? Who is this identity? Where did that come from? How, did, how, did I, how was I conditioned to be this thing that presents itself in the world? And he talked about how, how this conditioning forms our basic programming, our basic set of beliefs at which I drive around in when I go out and I experience the world. I take this thing called Mike out into the world. I try my best not to bump into stuff, and yet I do. I have experiences. And it's the set of beliefs, this conditioned set of beliefs, that inform how I'm going to think about the experiences that I have. And it is these thoughts uh, both conscious and unconscious, that drive our emotions. And it's our emotions that drive the actions that we take. And of course, our actions have consequences in the world. These consequences feed right back into this core foundation of my beliefs, my basic programming. So it, it forms this wheel, this cycle. Right? This is very important to understand, especially in, in a mindfulness context, because if I can understand that, if I can understand that it is my emotions that I operate on, and they're based on thoughts, which are based on a set of conditioned programming that is not permanent, that isn't ever wholly defined, then it means that if, if what I'm experiencing in the world is not helpful, or it's harmful to myself and to others, or it's just not pleasant, it's not peaceful, I can do something about it. I can change it if I want to. Incredibly powerful concept. Again, check out Brad's talk. I thought he did a really, really great job. He said things that I wouldn't have thought to say. Not to say that I would have thought of everything to say in the first place, but he said I, I myself learned uh, a good bit from Brad's talk, so I highly recommend it. So this week, I, I'm gonna talk about another aspect of ourselves. So there's this ego self aspect of ourselves. Brad, Brad sort of got under the hood on a little bit. And what I want to talk about is there's another aspect of us that isn't conditioned. An aspect that, uh, in other words, we, we sometimes call our Buddha nature or our cosmic self. What we refer to it in our community most typically as is our true self. I want to talk about rediscovering this unconditioned true self aspect of ourselves. And like anything that we present, it's never ever meant to be, let me tell you how it is. Let me, let me give you the truth of here. So it's not that. It is, in fact, maybe just the opposite. I'll offer it to you as something to experiment with. Do you, is what I'm gonna say, does it ring true? Do you find this in your own experience in the world? And if so, what does that mean? You know, what, what does that mean? What, what could you do with that? What, what's useful out of it? So everything always comes with, uh, is this true for you? It seems true for me, but uh, try it on. Walk around in a little bit, see what you think. So uh, the, the first thing I wanna uh, revisit 
is this idea of who we evolved into, this ego self. Because this, this thing that I believe I am, this, this Mike, of course, evolved not only in my own lifetime, in my own conditioning with my own parents and friends and groups and work and all that kind of stuff, but I carry the seed of this in my very DNA. So who, who I am is an evolutionary, has a very strong evolutionary component. And a long time ago, you know, our species, Homo sapiens sapiens, is generally thought to be about 300,000 years old. But before that, there were all sorts of Homo habilis and Homo erectus, and before that, there was uh, Australopithecines, and before that, there was some other creature. We have a long line of evolution that winds up with this, with this guy Mike talking to an iPhone, right? And this is, this is important to know, and, and uh, Alan Watts says it, uh, really well. He says, uh, you didn't come into this world, you grow out of it, you see? That's my Alan Watts impersonation, if you like. You didn't come into this world, you grew out of it. And that's true. From an evolutionary perspective, you can see that. There's a long line of things that happened and were conditioned and were trained and changed and shaped that led up to this human existence and then this human conditioning that manifests itself as this guy named Mike and you and everyone we know. And the thing is, is that for the grand majority of this evolution, these, we developed strategies to keep us safe, to keep our physical bodies able to, to procreate and pass on our genes and keep the species going, right? I mean, that, that was the point. So when I walk through the forest and I, I have a conditioned response to confuse nearly every stick I see on the ground with a snake, right? And step out of the way, oh my God. And, and this is important because at some point it might be a snake. And that thing that I avoided stepping on may just be the thing that saved my life that allowed me to pass on my genes. But in a very modern world, in the past 10,000 years or so, maybe longer, that need for physical safety is no longer as important in our society. But we still have those genes, those reactions, that, that thing within me that says, I need to protect myself. I need, and so at this point, what am I protecting if not my physical being? Well, I'm protecting who it is that I think I am. I'm protecting my ego self, that conditioned ego self. So this is, this is kind of cool if you think about it because, you know, often when we're suffering or we talk to somebody who's suffering, we, we have this tendency to think, man, why am I broken? Why am I so broken? Like, why am I like this? But the truth of the matter is you're, you're almost the opposite of broken. You're, you're doing exactly what a human does. Like that, exactly what evolution, you are operating as advertised when you suffer. You know, it is a conditioned, automatic response to human, to being human, to being able to project into the future, to reflect on the past, to understand what it is that it is to be here, to have relationships, to lose those relationships, to ruminate on these things. These are, these are human things where suffering is a inevitable truth. Say noble truth. So, so that is where we come. But if we if we 
look at ourselves, and we look at this ego self aspect of ourselves, we can see that there is another side of us, an unconditioned side of us. Here's, here's a way I'd like to describe it. Often in common parlance, we, we use the words self-esteem and self-confidence interchangeably. Like high self-esteem, low self-esteem, high self-confidence, low self-confidence. For the, for the purpose of this talk or this model that I'm going to describe, I'm going to make very clear distinctions between those words. Um, what I'd like to propose is that self-esteem is based on the word esteem. Esteem is, is, has a root related to the same word for estimate. So it's a measure of value. So self-esteem is a measure of value of, of me, of this being of Mike. Whereas self-confidence is a measure of quality of my experience. So as I experience my days, I might have a really good morning and things went really well. And I, man, I, that was a 10 out of 10 kind of morning. But then that thing happened. I got that email at lunchtime and everything kind of went to like a six out of 10. And then by the time all the meetings happened, it was, I was like a three out of 10. And I mean, the day was, was kind of in the, in the toilet from there, right? And, and I could do that every day. I could do that over, you know, that period of years when I was in college, man, that was an eight. No, I don't know. You know, when I was going, had going through some uh, episode of suffering in my life, that was a three, whatever, right? Well, on this other end, this self-esteem aspect of ourselves, it's a measure of value of that I am, that I get to experience, that I am this thing in the world, that I am, if you... If you if you care to experiment with the idea that I am uh, an aspect of the Big Bang itself, playing itself all the way out from this dramatic play that winds up with me talking uh, to you, right? And that kind of, how, what kind of measure would you put on that? If you had to give it a score of a 10 out of 10, I would propose that it's a 10 out of 10. And it's always a 10 out of 10. We're not talking about individual experiences that make us feel sad or happy. That's the self-confidence side. It's the ego self side. I'm talking about the very notion of existence at all, of my conscious beingness at all. I would score that a 10 out of 10. Because without it, there is nothing, right? And with it, there's everything. There's the whole possibility of, of, of living fully, loving freely, giving completely. This is, this is who we are. Now, that all might sound like a whole bunch of mumbo jumbo, right? Or like I'm trying to propose something. So, so let's try something. So what is, because in what, what we say is our ego self world is a world of doing and having that I describe myself and my life by the things that I do and the things that I have. Who's Mike? Well, he's this guy. He's ordained as an Osho in a practice. He worked forever in uh, technology and finance. He loves playing guitar. He loves Christmas. He loves horror movies. He loves pizza. All that very ego self kind of stuff. Some of it cool, some of it not so cool, whatever. But this other side, what, is this, what does it mean? What does this unconditioned side mean? And here's Here's an uh, experiment you can try. 
Think of a memory. Think of a time in your life. And maybe if, maybe instead of thinking of it as a mental memory, think of it like a heart memory. Think of a time in your life where you felt absolutely 100% connected and present and in, in the midst of something sacred. I propose go, go as small as you can. I find that sometimes it's easier to, to do these things small, you know. But if you want to go birth of a child, something big, that's great. I think, you know, um, a moment laughing my head off with my best friends. Or a moment of um, where I notice just how good the pizza place smells, right? Something like that. A moment where um, nothing could add to that experience and nothing could take it away. It was a moment of pure being and it had nothing to do with what I do or what I have. In that moment, I was completely connected with, with what it means to be. That's what I'm talking about in an unconditioned experience, in a being. So if the ego self is the world of doing and having, the true self is the world of being. And many, many traditions uh, outside of Buddhism, you know, primarily, I think, you kind of hear this notion of, you know, transcend the ego, kill the ego. And what we propose is uh, that that is, at least how we define it, an impossibility. And I definitely don't want to kill it, right? The ego self is who I am in the world. It includes all of these things that are good or bad or whatever, things I love and the things that are tough, but it includes the whole thing. It's the world of doing and having. This world of being is my true self, and I experience my true self from my world of being. The only way I know those precious, really incredible moments is because I experience them through this thing called Mike that was born and will die and goes through all sorts of things, right? So it, they are related. And what we say is that they operate together. They operate like the two wings of a bird. I need both of them to fly. So I definitely don't want to kill the ego self. What I want to do is understand in my ego self where it's not working so well for me, where I'm suffering or where things cause harm or hurt and do something about it. And in our, in our mindfulness practice, doing something about it means accessing this aspect of who I am that is bigger than just this tiny ego self, Mike. It's this incredible, birthless, deathless, spacious aspect of my being. So, if we look at, at, at how the two then operate in the world, because we tend to have a, we live from this world of doing and having. And I'm proposing that we can live from this perspective of our true self. And in our mindfulness work, that's what it's really all about. We're manifesting this aspect of my true self in all aspects of life over here. So how I work and how I speak and what I do, starting with this other aspect. So what does that mean? How am I gonna do that? Well, if I look at how I live for my true self, I, I, can, I can make some assessments about it. And again, experiment, is this true for you too? From the world of my ego self, 
I see everything as a grasping for some state of perfection. That if I only had this thing, or was this way, or could do this thing, then I would be perfect. Then I would be happy and content. Then I would have peace. If I could just close the gap between where I think I should be, this image of perfection, and where I am, then things would be great. What I tend to do is I see everything in life as an either-or. I, I, I'm either good or I'm bad. That job was awesome or it sucked. The, uh, the event that I was looking forward to worked out or it, it was a huge disappointment. Now what? Right? Everything in life has this. I, my, I, I loved them or I hated them. This person is a good person. This person is a total jerk. Right? Everything is an either or. And when I encounter change, I, I, I see it as a threat. I push it away because change is uh, a threat to who I am as a person, to that picture, that ego self picture that Brad described so well. And so I do everything I can to either bat it away, mitigate it, transfer it, do something. But, but I see it as a threat. I, I'm looking for my own path towards perfection. I have no time to be taken from the road that I'm already working so hard on, right? And it, this, is the, this is the world of, of suffering, right? In, in kind of an easier way to say it, if this, then I'd be happy. If I could only close that gap, then I'd be happy. If I could only keep change away, then I'd be happy. But the true self side is one of wholeness. So if the ego self looks at per perfection, we, we say that the true self side understands that life has ups and it has downs, that it has disappointments and loss, just as it has incredible moments of, of plenty and joy. And, and we can see clearly that they're not just opposites of each other. They are, they are what it means to be alive. They, you know, if I look back in my own history, experiment yourself, the things that I'm most grateful for today only are the way they are because of some incredibly horrible experience in the past. I could trace it back. I can say, you know, the birth of this thing that I'm so happy for today could not have been possible if this horrible thing hadn't happened first that they are one, that this is, the, this is the incredible play of life. And from my true self, when I orient my thinking to my true self, I can see that these difficult experiences are something that I can integrate and I can be at harmony with, that this is, life isn't about perfection. Life is about this incredible piece of art in which I get to experience my beingness in. And every one of them is an, is an opportunity to do so. And so instead of a world of either or, where everything is, you know, he was good or he was bad, it's a world of both and. Everything I can think of is really a both and. He was a total jerk. And sometimes he could be really, really cool. He could, you know, had this little hint in him that he could be really, really lo loving. It was so interesting. Man. They, they are 
horrible people and they want all these things that are going to like ruin society and I'll do anything I can, I'll hang every swear word sign in my yard to keep these people from ruining everything that's good in our company. And they want exactly what I want. They want to live free, they want to live with peace and love in their lives, they want exactly the same thing. Both and. Everything can be viewed as a both and. I can look at both of them and instead of the constant tension that comes from an either-or. When I live from an either-or, I'm, tr I'm constantly trying to figure out how to close the gap between the two truths. How can he be such a jerk and so cool? And between the two, how can he be, you know, it's that image of perfection, right? I want him to be perfect, but he's not. And so there's suffering there. That's the either-or. But when I see things as a both-and, I can see them as, he can be a real jerk. And I love him, because he can be amazing. And I can see them both. And I don't have to operate. I don't have to bridge any gap anymore. I don't have to figure out how to reconcile the two. I can let them be as, as two sides of the very same coin. And I can see change not as a threat, but as an ever-present opportunity to be who I most want to be in this world, to, to, to be the one that's, that's grateful for the chance to be at all, that sees it as an opportunity to, to be the cool head when maybe other cool heads aren't there, to love, uh, to support and be helpful, to have compassion for those when, who may be struggling. In, in, uh, in our teaching, we, we think of, you know, uh, a glass of water. You know, when you see a, a glass, that you see a, a glass of water is half full or half empty. Our ego self is quick to jump in and say, well, I like to see it as a gla as glass half, half full. And maybe some days our self-confidence ego self was a, that glass is half empty. From our true self, it's a glass of water. I, if you're thirsty, have a drink. I can live from this. I can see things clearly. And I can see things from a perspective of that that heart memory that you brought up, that spaciousness that happens in those sacred moments. And I can bring that to how I live my life. That I, when I get an email that otherwise would, would make ego self Mike freak out, I can see that email as, hey, some days you get bad emails. <laughs> some days I, 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 my plans that I had are just not gonna be, you know, the, what I actually wind up doing. Right? If I'm living from my ego self, that kind of thing is just will freak you out and will drive you insane and will make your life full of tension. For my true self, it doesn't really matter what I do or what I have. I am fully intact from, as this miraculous existence before I even do anything. So it's, I can do whatever I want. I can actually call on this true self aspect of myself to take care of the other one, to love the other one, because the other one needs it. Ego self Mike, left on his own accord, can be a real nightmare, let me tell you. But if I can access this true self aspect of myself that exists within me, to love the other one, to support him when he needs it, to, to be the one to be able to walk up to him when he's going through something, 
put, put his true self arm around his neck and, and tell him in a, from a very clear and true place, hey man, you're all right. We'll get through this together. You know, this doesn't end you. This doesn't define you. This is the power we're looking, we're looking to do when we talk about reorienting to the true self. I hope this was helpful. Next week, Brad will, will come back with uh, our third model. Uh, please check it out. Uh, these, these things are, they really are the, the foundation of the work we do in preparation for the, for the mindfulness practice that we teach, which is a, uh, the, kind of the culmination of the, the four questions, which I think are outside of the scope of these calls, uh, these talks, but uh, uh, if you have any questions or you'd like to learn more, you'd like to study with us, please feel free to reach out at asksenseitoni.com, write to our community as a page there, Dragonfly Sangha. You can reach out to us that way or however, leave a comment. We're here to help taking vows to do so and we'd be joyed to meet you. Be well. Thank you so much.